KG, and this is not safe for networks. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. We got lots of stuff to cover, so we're just going to start. Um, so, quick little thing. There's going to be a few things we're just going to breeze by kind of fast. But uh, Snowpiercer, which was a movie we were talking about with Mitch the other day. Yeah. Uh, so, they're making that into a show for TNT that's going to have Jennifer Connelly in it. And apparently, it's going to deal with a lot of class issues and race issues and gender issues, which is like fucking exactly what that movie was all about i don't remember if gender issues were necessarily like discussed but it, it's a natural for this show but it's really interesting um the movie kind of would it had it's basically this train that's going around after the apocalypse and all the rest of humanity is on this train and the poor people are in the back of the train and the rich people are in the front of the train and they have like the poor people fight for scraps and stuff and i don't want to give too much away but if you haven't seen the movie it is an amazing action movie that actually says something it's super fucking cool and i'm excited the prospect of a tv show like i mean being on a train you know there's only so much you can cover but i feel like you could squeeze out a pretty good three seasons i'm gonna guess Plus, like, they're probably going to have flashbacks to before they got on the train, I would imagine. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this is going to make a hell of a show. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so good on TNT for picking that one up. Yeah, it looked like a... Because I had seen, like, a, a promo for it, and it looked pretty good. Oh, they had a promo already? I don't know if it was... And I'm not sure if it was... It looked like stuff that... Maybe they had pieced together, and I, of course, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. It might be like the trailer for the movie or something. <laughs> it looked like it was part of it was stitched together from the movie, but then there was other parts that didn't quite look like that. So okay, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it looked it looked interesting. Yeah, that movie's amazing. I think it's still on Netflix too, because uh, they have a deal with that director, and he did that. Uh, that movie about the genetically engineered animal, I, something with an O, I can't remember. Yeah, um, I couldn't. I'd <laughs> butchered if I tried. Yeah, Uja or something like that. But anyway, um, another piece of news we can kind of gloss over here. Uh, American Gods will be moving forward with the second season. Um, that's official now. So Neil Gaiman is listed as a showrunner. He wrote the book for American Gods. But he's not going to be a physical showrunner. Like, he's not going to be there. Apparently, they're going to have somebody else running the show. And uh, Brian Fuller and Michael Green, who were the original showrunners and creators of the show, are still attached to it. They're just not running the shows for budgetary concerns. So, I don't know. It kind of seems like it's a hot mess right now. But they're really trying to, to get it out there that, you know... 
we're figuring it out. It's it's going to happen. It'll be okay is basically the <laughs> message they're trying to put out. But I got to say that first season was like, especially visually, just like really captivating. And they had a lot of good actors in it. I mean, they had like Jillian Anderson and they had, uh, um, name escapes me right now, but he played Al Swearinger in the, in Deadwood and he's the stepdad. And, uh, oh God, that, uh, hot rod. Mm. Yeah. The one who he has to fight to get his respect. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great movie. But, um, so that, that kind of, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully having a good second season of that, but we'll see how that all plays out. I would not be surprised if it was a total train wreck based off. It doesn't seem like anybody knows who's really steering the ship at this point. So we'll see. Like Neil Gaiman is listed as a showrunner, but he's doing a show called Omega that he's actually like on the set, like show running. <laughs> so it's like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I uh, just recently picked up the the first season of that. So in the near future, we're going to be doing a deep dive on that. It's it's visually stunning, and I had no idea what was going on for a while in it. But it's like it's fucking cool. Like it's a weird, cool thing. Uh, Cal Penn, who is in Harold and Kumar movies. Um, he recently tweeted out or tweeted out, I love Disney so much, but when a PR person says they decided to put 100 people on brown face in 2018 because not enough of us are qualified, that's BS. Someone just didn't want to spend the money to do it right. Let's expect more and do better this year. So he's talking about the new Aladdin live action movie that they're making. Apparently they had a scene with a crowd where they had 500 um, like Middle Eastern actors, but then they put a hundred like white people on brown face to try and flesh out the scene. Oh, good lord! Yeah, and do you really need six hundred? Can't you like alter your shot or like CGI it? it, it brown face is a horrible, horrible idea. Not, not a good look. So it's like it's one of those things. Like whenever people get upset about us talking about, you know, like saying that we're going too far on PC culture. Keep in mind, this shit is still happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a reason. Brown face is still a thing. Come on. Yeah, there's a reason why we keep talking about this. It's because Hollywood keeps doing it, and you got to call it out every time it happens because shit ain't gonna change unless we say it's bullshit. Stop it. You know. I had no plans to see in the new Aladdin movie <laughs> anyway. So when I say I'm not going to go to it in the theater, at least I can take a moral stand now. But, you know, I really wasn't going to see it anyway. Um, I just have no interest. Like, I didn't have a particular love for the cartoon anyway. And I know that's heresy because Robin Williams and blah, blah, blah. But it just, I don't know. Maybe I was at the wrong age when it came out. But I certainly saw it a lot because of my stepbrother at the time. So <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it. I remember you and I watch like at a friend's house. Watched the straight to vi video set the sequel. Uh, was that the Return, Return of Jafar, Jafar? The one where they have like somebody pretending to be Robin Williams in it. Yeah, and <laughs> it's not just the same. The fact that I mean the continuity and like continuity in a video or like an animation is just 
How do you fuck that up? (laughs) (laughs) Very easily, apparently. They did a third one, too, but it actually had Robin Williams in it. So Yeah, I didn't see that one. (laughs) Yeah, Disney paid him for that one because I guess Return of Jafar didn't do as well as they were hoping for. (laughs) I don't know what they were hoping for because... I remember that being straight to video. Well, that was that. And I don't think they do it quite as much anymore, but that was very much what Disney did in the nineties and yeah. through at least up until 2010, I feel like is like they would have a hit movie and then they would do a sequel or two straight to video. They just never even considered making a movies. And in fact, toy story two, this is an interesting tidbit. Like, Toy Story was a huge success, right? And yeah. so when they made Toy Story 2, they were making it for straight to video. And then the executives looked at what Pixar handed them and they were like, this has to be a feature. Like, this is amazing. So, <laughs> so like, basically, like, Pixar sort of, like, broke that mold. And uh, I think from there, Disney started to realize, like, you can still do really good sequels and put them out in the theater and have them make money. So because, you know, at that point, they were doing like one big animated film a year, I feel like. Yeah. And they because I remember there was a couple of them that when it came out, like Cinderella had a sequel. Oh, my God. There's a third one like that. That's how I found out was uh, when I became a stepdad. The kids had Cinderella 3 and they're watching it. And I was like, I mean, I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, <laughs> talking to my wife. I'm like, there's a Cinderella 2? She's like, yeah. Like, this one can't. The Cinderella 3 came out in like the 90s. I was like, really? <laughs> so that was when I started discovering their whole straight to video market <laughs> that I, I was completely unaware of. But uh, you had something you wanted to talk about with James Cameron? So. Recently, James Cameron did a interview talking about the uh, Titanic movie. Okay, um, and he uh, weighed in on the the end scene with uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio Where, on the door. Okay, and because there's been a lot of controversy over the years that they both could have fit on the door. Yeah, yeah, and then I read one person trying to defend that, saying that the buoyancy of the door went and holds both of them up. And basically, James Cameron went that way with his logic behind it. And it, and I won't bore you with the details of it, but he basically went and said, like, um, not saying he just did it because it was in the script, more than anything <laughs> they couldn't both be on it because i said so yeah it's they like, couldn't be on the director because i am god <laughs> and we're gonna make billions of dollars so fuck it yeah so he he said well the buoyancy couldn't kept them up and he just kind of like skirted around it but we both know that's bullshit yeah it's bullshit he was also um People were making note of the fact he was talking about the Avatar sequels. So there's supposed to be four Avatar sequels on the way. They're concurrently making part two and three right now. And so assuming those are hits, they'll make um, four and five. But he's he was basically said it was boiled down to a quote, which is, we can't afford to not have them be hits because people kept saying, like, what if 
you know, it's been a while. Are you sure these are going to be hits? You know, and he's like, we can't afford from not to be hits. But it was very cocky the way he said it. And I think that's what's being lost in the print because I saw the video of him saying it. And he's basically he was trying to say, like, no, these are going to be hits. And I it is in a weird way. It was a convincing argument to me because James Cameron, I don't know that he's ever made a bomb. I mean, I could be wrong and I could be not thinking of something, but it seems like he's batting a thousand. Like every movie he does just fucking makes bank. Like his first movie was Piranha 2. It was a success for like a Roger Corman movie. And then it just fucking, he just goes off into the fucking stratosphere after that. I mean, dude did True Lies. Dude did uh, uh, fucking The Abyss, like Titanic. Um Terminator, Terminator 2, none of the other sequels. <laughs> so, he might be right if he thinks it's going to be a hit. I mean, at some point, directors tend to lose their touch. But uh, I got to say, like, when I think of the first one, it was so incredible to see in theaters. And I think that's what could be going for him, is that, like, if it is, like, a spectacle to see, people will probably turn out for it. But the market's definitely different, you know? So it's not unheard of that it could bomb, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. Oh, there was a couple of crap. Have you heard of the movie? Well, I've heard of Ghost of the Abyss. I think that was the. Oh, he made that one? Yeah. Was he director or just like a producer? Hmm. And Aliens of the Deep. Oh, yeah, I don't know, but was that a documentary? That one was a documentary, okay. actually. You almost can't even count that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they were both, those were both documentaries. Okay, so we'll give a pass on any yeah. of those. Like, uh, documentaries, you're not expected to make a ton of money. You're just yeah. expected to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> Although he spent a lot of money on those documentaries. I'm sure he did. Was that when he like had his own submarine? Yeah, it went down to the Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to another director, Quentin Tarantino. Um, his Charles Manson movie, apparently they've casted Leonardo DiCaprio as an aging actor uh, for the movie. Yes. And uh, Margot Robbie will also play Sharon Tate, and Tom Cruise is cast as well, and he's rumored to be playing a prosecutor, but we don't know for sure at this point. Um, And apparently the movie... So this is interesting, because I hadn't heard the actual synopsis that he had come up with, (coughs) but it's that it's um, a TV actor who's had one hit series and is looking for a way to get into the film business. His sidekick, who's also a stunt double, is looking for the same thing. And it's set to the backdrop of the Manson murders. So, I mean, I don't know if Sharon Tate's like one of the characters, it's obviously going to smash into like the Charles Manson thing, but I don't know how much. But it's Quentin Tarantino. I got to imagine it's it's going to be lively and have a lot of things going on. So Yeah. A um, couple other, they did announce a couple other actors that are on board for that. Uh, Brad Pitt and Al Pacino are both. Okay, so on that. so actually, um, I can I can um, talk about that. So Brad Pitt was up against Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise won out that role. So it's not going to be Brad Pitt. I, I, 
that was what I read anyway, is that uh, Tom Cruise got the role over Brad Pitt. And there's a role written for Al Pacino, but there's no word as to whether Al Pacino will be in it or not. So I would imagine if you're Al Pacino, you're going to jump on that shit, right? (laughs) Yeah, what is he doing nowadays? I'm I'm sure he's doing something, but... uh, Some god forsaken adam sandler thing actually interestingly (laughs) enough he's doing a movie with uh martin scorsese and with robert de niro and i don't remember who the third guy is but they're it's like netflix is bankrolling it it's gonna go straight to netflix and they're de-aging everybody so like they're gonna have robert de niro and they're gonna have al pacino but they're gonna have them play younger versions of themselves weird yeah, and like my gut tells me that can't work, but then my gut also tells me Scorsese, all of his movies are good. They'll find a way. So if a guy can do it, it's Scorsese. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I, if the spe- if Scorsese thinks the special effects are there, I kind of trust him that they are. You know. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm gonna check it out for sure. But so Pacino, a little more busy than we think he is. <laughs> it's just he hasn't had a high profile thing for a little while. Yeah. A uh, little bit of news on HBO here. Um, so apparently they're doing a Flight of the Concord special that will be Brett and Jermaine singing songs in front of an audience. So it will not be a continuation of the series. It will be like a concert film. <laughs> like probably some stand-up like they did they have a great stand-up special that's on hbo that's always on the on demand um and you can find it on youtube too if you ever want to check it out but it's really fucking funny like hearing them just do their songs and like basically doing their stand-up routine but with their songs you know and so i think that's the direction that this uh this movie's gonna go in or this special's gonna go in but i look forward to it dude i love the flight of the concords they're funny as hell i'm glad that they're not touching on the series again because they really did they did two seasons but like it was a great arc for the show they wound up stuck in new zealand at the end of the show it like fit the whole tone of the show and everything and I think if you have them actually be successful in the show, it would ruin the show because that was not what the show was at all. It's about these two losers who like are really funny and get caught up in everyday things, but like they're complete failures. I mean, they have they have an episode where the plot is basically that they're going to record a song for a card. Like you I open up the that. card and it plays like the distant future the year 2000 the distant future the year 2000 <laughs> and uh the the robot one that they do the humans are dead i think is the name of the song but um and so like like all of the shows were based around the fact that like nobody gave a shit about them but they would play shows to like not even tens of people like <laughs> Like, maybe ten people. Occasionally, it's like one person, you know? <laughs> so, um, I'm looking forward to seeing that, too. I'm excited about a lot of stuff that's coming down the pike, man. Like, you would expect the bubble to burst at some point, but right now, it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's bursting. It seems like there's a lot of exciting things coming. I don't know how many more TV shows I can take on, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I know... Uh- one thing I'm looking forward to, and it's not TV related, but it's uh, Foo Fighters are going to release a Sonic Highways album. Yeah, 
and because I uh, just after Christmas ordered the the newest Foo Fighters album. Now is that is that the one that they did basically as a soundtrack to their HBO show? <sighs> yes, the yeah. Sonic Highways. Yes. Yeah, I've been meaning to give that album a listen because I've heard. I think I've heard all the songs. I think I watched all the episodes on HBO, but. I, I think that's Sonic Highways, right? Is that's Sonic Highways, yeah. Yeah, if if you guys haven't checked out that show, like it's really really interesting because it basically talks about the history of rock in certain cities, like whatever city they go to. And so the idea behind the show is Dave Grohl goes to the city with his band, and then they talk to all the people who are like instrumental in like creating a scene in, in the city over the decades or whatever. And like talking about the history of the city and then what the scene was, what it turned into, what it is currently. And then after taking in all of that information, they write a song that involves all of that. Right. So like they go to Chicago and they explore like the punk scene that popped up in Chicago. And, you know, and he covers it like from a personal level as well as like a broader history of like the music in Chicago. And then writes a song about it at the end. So it's like, it was a really smart way to make an album, I think. But it was also a very interesting show. Because Dave Grohl actually has, like, a fucking flair for making documentaries. Mm. Like, who would have known? <laughs> Dude is so fucking talented. He can play every God. instrument. Like, writes awesome lyrics. Like, he's funny as hell and charming. And can do documentaries. Like, way yeah. to go, Dave Grohl, man. Yeah, I, uh... Because I've been listening to his last album, Concrete and Gold, like, so much in the last... Because I got it about a week ago, and I've listened to it so much. And there's one song on there, Run. Um, it's probably my favorite song of the last probably 10 years. That's high praise, man. <laughs> and they really are the last vestige of rock and roll at this point, I feel like. And that's not look. This is we're older guys, so I'm not gonna like play it up. You know, like we are older guys, so I get it. And this is not a ripping on like the new music that's coming no. out or anything by any means. But like they're the last vestige of like what you could consider like I guess classic rock and roll. They were like alternative when we were younger, but like really they're like classic rock at this point. Yeah, it sounds weird to say, but it's just how music has moved. So they're really the last band that's like still putting out music that has any kind of influence that, you know, um, that is doing that kind of thing. So yeah. they're like the last gasp of it, but not in a tired way. Like they're still, they're still doing it. So I, I fucking, I appreciate that, that like he takes that torch and he does it, but he's still doing new things and that's why they're able to still exist in this environment and do the kind of music that they do is because they're fucking creative with how they do shit. You know, that Sonic highways documentaries. That's a great fucking idea. Like that's a really great idea. Yeah. Cause even if you don't like the Foo Fighters, you can sit there and watch it and like learn about the history of all these cities, you know, like that's really fucking interesting, especially if you enjoy music. Like I, I love music, man. I was, I just dove into like a four hour Tom Petty documentary that's on Netflix, which like highly recommend. Like Peter Bogdanovich uh, directed it, who did like Mask and uh, Paper Moon and The French Connection. Like he Damn. directed it. It's 
fucking amazing, dude. Like, I got an hour and a half through, and it was, like, in the evening, and I was like, I got to turn this off because there's two and a half more hours, and, like, I'm going to watch the whole two and a half hours. So it's cut into, like, chapters. Like, every 15 to 20 minutes, there's a chapter break where they, like, do a little title screen. And it's, you know, like, so it has points where you can stop it because I think Peter Boyanovich was, like, he realized, like, most people aren't going to sit down and watch, like, a four-hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, totally worth it. Like, I got all the way through where they recorded Damn the Torpedo. So it starts when he's with Mud Crutch. Like, it actually starts when he's a kid, talks about his influences, and then goes into Mud Crutch, like, when they started and got a record deal, and then the record deal didn't work out because they just wanted Tom Petty, essentially, and Mike Campbell. And then uh, turns into the Heartbreakers. Which I found out the exact story on that. So he had Mike Campbell, but the record producer was like, you have some weak links in this band. I'm not interested in all of them. Like, But if you two want to stay on, you know. So they wound up leaving Los Angeles. And then he saw a band show up to play, but they didn't have a record deal with them yet. And Tom Petty was just like thought they were incredible. So he's like, well, I got a record deal. Why don't you guys throw in with us? And then we'll like do the record together. And so they were like, yeah, because it was like <laughs> a guaranteed record deal. Right. And so the, the producer heard them and liked them. And then they came up with the, you know, the name, the heartbreakers, which was like an ironic name because none of them look like heartbreakers. <laughs> They're like, none of them are attractive people by any stretch. And it was interesting hearing him with the logo. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have a broken heart and have this, like, he's like, I'm going to put a Gibson guitar that goes through it. And then, like, his manager was like, why don't you do a flying V? And then it looks like an arrow going through. And he's like, oh, yeah. And that's how the logo was born. Like, all these interesting things. But the really interesting thing to me was when they were recording Damn the Torpedoes. Like, Tom Petty just, uh, his the, the original record deal he had, they got bought out by another company. Like, I think it was Capitol Records. And so they told them, like, they took away his publishing. They're just like, yeah, it's like this clause in your contract. We have that now. And so Tom Petty found some weird little loophole where he like, because they took all the money and put it like, this is a standard record deal is you like, they take, typically you pay the artist eight to 10% for whatever profits. But before they see any of that eight to 10%, they pay off the costs of making the records or the CDs or MP3s or whatever, all the advertising, all the money that they give them to like get motel rooms or find a place to live or studio costs, all of that stuff comes out of their end first. And so Tom Petty was like, well, I'm just going to file for bankruptcy. And that threw a, a whole fucking wrench in the whole thing. And so the record company was panicking because they were afraid that all the artists would start doing that. And so they started this big court battle. And so meanwhile, they're recording Damn the Torpedoes with Jimmy Iowine. And so they have him in this documentary and they're sitting there talking with him too. And uh, basically like Tom Petty had this friend and he goes, I want you to take all of, all of the recordings we do at the end of each day. And they labeled it as some other band. I don't remember. They made up a band name, but they, they mislabeled them. He goes, I want you to take them and hide them off of the premises, and I don't want to know where you hide them. 
And that was so that if he goes into court, he can say, like, he has no idea where the recordings are. Because the record company kept showing up to, like, take the recordings and, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they never were able to get them because they would like like they would record at odd hours of the day and shit and like yeah they were just never able to get a hold of them so um it's pretty fucking interesting and damn the torpedoes is fucking it's such a great that's album. a great album. yeah every track is fucking incredible on it so eventually capital records caved in and they said look we're gonna give you your publishing back but we want you on our album so here's what we'll do you can pay yourself what you want but we're going to give you your own record label. And so that's how they like finally settled it with him. And it obviously paid off for Capitol Records because Damn the Torpedoes was a fucking huge success, not to mention everything that Tom Petty does. So, um, what's, and, the, what's the name of that documentary? Oh, God. What, I think it's Running Down a Dream is okay. the name of it. But it's the four-hour documentary on Netflix about Tom Petty. <laughs> it's pretty hard to miss. Uh, more HBO news here. We way veered off, but uh, Game of Thrones spinoff will not air until 2020, the year after the final season, because we established that already, right? Yes. 2019, because they're trying to make sure the special effects are up to snuff and everything. Uh, HBO programming president Casey Blois Blois said. There are five of them. If we do a pilot in a series, nothing is going to air on HBO until at least a year after the final season. We're not going to do a final season. And then following it at 11 p.m. (laughs) Yeah, I read. And he said, I've seen some exciting material. We've got some great writers working on these. It's very exciting, but there's no timetable. Not everybody is on the same schedule, so I've seen different versions of different things that are potentially exciting, but there's no timetable about when a decision will be made about any of them. Yeah. I think he, if you go on in that interview, he was talking, he's not sure how many or if any of those uh, spinoffs will be made. So I think he was quoted as saying it could be anywhere from zero to five. <laughs> yeah, but let's not kid ourselves. One of them will get made. Right? Oh, I, they're looking like we got to capitalize on this. Yeah, like whichever one, whichever one has the most promise to the executives, they'll go with, I'm sure. Uh, Casey Bloy also said that they're making a series for The Watchmen and that will be filming later this year. So that's kind of interesting because like that movie was not well received, um, but it is still a classic graphic novel, like maybe the classic graphic novel, The Watchmen. And so making it as a series, you give more time to work on it. Maybe it works. My personal opinion is don't do it. (laughs) It Sounds like it's going to get done anyway, but I just, if you haven't read the graphic novel, it's so entrenched in like talking about what comics is and like just like the nature of superheroes and all of these things. There's these really like heady concepts, but it's all so rooted in comic books that I just don't think you're ever going to do an adaptation justice that's not comic books like i don't know i it, like i i feel like it's a book that should stand alone i don't think they should have done all the comic books i don't think they should have done the movies and i don't think they should do these shows but who am i fucking kidding i'm gonna check it out like it's an hbo series so maybe it's good you know 
my first thought on that is a series might be a better way to go with that property. They were than, trying to cram a lot into a movie. And for I sure. think that's why the movie suffered so bad. Cause I remember watching it and there was so much packed into that, that it was a lot of the elements didn't have a chance to really breathe. And so you end up like overall it got lost. Yeah. And cause when I watched the movie and I haven't watched it since, Mm-hmm. I've watched it one time. Yeah, I bought it and I watched it that one time, and I was like, "Jesus, that's a lot crammed into this." Yeah, and it's there's so much in there, and it's but nothing. So there's so much in there, you don't really get invested in any of it. Yeah. So it it never really just resonated. So I think you know, giving a series on that might be a better way to do that. I agree the the likelihood of it um working is higher. I just I don't know. This is an argument I have with my dad, which is funny because he's never read the book. And I haven't read it either. Right. Like <laughs> and this So that's such, why I, I I'm, I'm not, really hesitant on like really pushing the, yeah. the envelope on that, but And I'm not and I'm not trying to be snobby like you haven't read the book or anything, but I think if you've read the book You'll kind of get what I'm getting at, which is it's so much about comic books. I think when you pull it out of comic books, it's um, it's a bit problematic because even like the panels, people talk about the panels of this book all the time. It's like nine panels every single page. And it's done that way for a reason. Like it's done that way artistically to be like. You have all of these are the same page. It's the same like space for each panel for each like section of action. And it never breaks out of that ever. You never get a full page splash. You never get like, you know, something where it does a longer panel on one side or like a big rectangular panel. Big half half page panel. or Yeah, because it's like it's trying to like give this really oppressive form to it. So that when you read it, it really does have an effect on the psychology of it. And it's it's a weird thing to say. But I think if you read it, you'll kind of understand what I'm getting at. And it's fucking dense. Like, I have never in my life read a graphic novel that took me so fucking long to read. Like, it reads like a goddamn novel. And what I mean is like War and Peace or something. Like, it <laughs> takes a long fucking time. And even when it takes a long time, it takes even longer to let everything sink in that's being said. It's just a fucking dense thing on, like, comics. So, I wouldn't do it, but I'll check it out and give it a chance, you know? Um, which is not something that I would have done for the the comic books, the After Watchmen or whatever it was that they did, or Before Watchmen, and I don't remember. But, uh... Anyway. See. Yeah. Enough with the HBO stuff. So you wanted to talk about Gambit a little bit? So the Gambit movie just lost its director? Yeah. It lost its director. I heard Channing Tatum still really hopeful that it'll get made, but that's all up in the air because Disney may or may not have Fox. We keep saying that Disney bought out Fox, but truthfully, it's not official until the federal government says it's okay. So Yeah, and there's... I mean, there's minimum six months before it it'll actually happen so i mean 
the so they're trudging the federal, on the federal Disney. trade commission could step in and break it up but i doubt it yeah, i really doubt it it just doesn't seem like something they're gonna do in a republican administration i feel like all the power goes to the corporation so this is as much as i like disney buying out fox for the most part i don't like everything about it but and it's kind of weird what happened because uh the latest director on this project the gambit movie is gore verbinski who did the pirates of the caribbean franchise yeah um so i mean he's definitely entrenched in disney yeah so i'm not sure uh what happened he might just have an axe to grind with disney you know like who knows it could be so many things it could have been a fight with channing tatum for all we know (laughs) you know uh and the the article i read said that you know it was an amicable split with this so it doesn't sound like it was like a extra grind i mean it could be this thing has been in development hell for at least five years yeah Because I remember talking this is not about the first this time fairly we've talked about it. Yeah. in this podcast. Yeah, this is not the first time we've talked about this. Um, and basically the only thing that has stayed constant is Channing Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I... Because, like, it is... Like, if you look at uh, screenshots of the... Or panels of the uh, Gambit, and you look at Channing Tatum, like, yeah, that's Gambit. like so i mean like and i think channing tatum has the acting props to do it and i just think that there's been so much hell as far as like getting her and i i really thought when they brought gore gore rubinsky on and to do it because he has done some big budget stuff i mean being under jerry bruckheimer doing the pirates of the caribbean stuff like yeah i mean he he can handle that anytime you're under jerry bruckenheimer it's gonna be huge too i mean that was (laughs) um what was the trey parker and mad stone movie with the puppets uh team america (laughs) world police yeah the whole concept of that movie was let's make a jerry bruckenheimer movie but make it as low tech as possible so what's the lowest tech thing we could do puppets marionettes (laughs) yeah so that was the whole idea behind that movie was we're just gonna make a jerry bruckenheimer movie (laughs) with puppets which is why they have like this is why they're annoying americans like why um they destroy everything around them, but they like take it up a notch, you know, like they're destroying the Sphinx, they're destroying the Eiffel Tower, like all this shit, while they're like protecting France for freedom or Egypt or whatever, you know, <laughs> while just destroying everything around them. That's why they use all the action tropes where like every single person in there is a trope, basically. You know, like you have the wide eyed hero who becomes reluctant. You have, like, the guy who's just like, fuck you, I don't like you, you're bad for the team, <laughs> who, like, eventually, like, accepts him, right? Like, all of that stuff is just, like, tropes in Bruckenheimer films, so. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so we'll see if a Gambit movie makes gets made. 
I would not put any money on it whatsoever just because no. this Disney Fox thing is such a monkey wrench. Like, who fucking knows what direction they're going to go? And Kevin Feige seems to have a pretty good idea of what to do with comic book characters. So he may not think that whatever they're doing with Gambit's a good idea. He might think Gambit works better as an X-Men or just not being made in a movie at all, you know? So, God, I kind of I kind of want a Gambit movie. I don't like I never really read him in the comics. I don't like there's See, I, I have no connection to Gambit, so it's And it's not so much that cuz I did watch a lot of the X-Men show back in like the old Fox cartoon the, the mid 90s early 90s yeah where it was like X-Men and then Spider-Man right after that yeah the Spider-Man Spider-Man radioactive Spider-Man because I did watch a lot of that and on that show I think Gambit was pretty up there as one of my favorite characters okay flinging cards everywhere <laughs> Blowing shit up. (laughs) The Raging Cajun. (laughs) Not James Carville. Right. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Okay, so John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who wrote and directed Vacation, Horrible Bosses, and Spider-Man together, also directed... Excuse me. They directed Vacation and Horrible Bosses as well as wrote them. And wrote Spider-Man Homecoming and were candidates for directing it, but then wound up just writing it. Um, They're in talks to direct Flashpoint right now for the DCEU. The word is coming out. Um, Ben Affleck was apparently the first choice of the studio, but he turned it down. So I think Ben Affleck, I think it's safe to say at this point, he's trying to extract himself from the DCEU. (laughs) That's probably an understatement. It's kind of understanding at this point. I got to say, he's done four movies for him right now. Like, that's Has a lot. Been four? So, he did, he did uh, Batman versus Superman. Yeah. He had a little scene in Suicide Squad. Right. He had, a like, a little bit of a voiceover in Wonder Woman at the beginning and at and the he, end. At, yeah, post-credit scene at the end or closing scene at the end. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Justice League. So that's a lot of Batman he's already done. I I don't even think you can shame him or say like it's because of failure or any of that stuff. Like you it's know, just, at I, this point he's I, he's done the Batman thing. I think I enjoyed it. Like he was good as Batman. He was. <laughs> I didn't mind it. He was good as the Batman. And let's be honest that that's that's one of my all time favorite videos that somebody ever carved together on YouTube was him in the interview. <laughs> Talking about Justice League. The sounds of silence. <laughs> yes. They just like show him looking so fucking sad and playing the sounds of silence. He's just like, yeah, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Flashpoint, I I kind of I kind of think that's so. It sounds like Flashpoint's going to happen. You know, th- th- all this stuff is has been questionable as to whether it happened because you got a new head in dcu but it sounds like they're gonna do flashpoint that's the one to me that's like you got to circle that on the calendar like this is the chance to remake the dcu into anything we want like it really is you're gonna like flash was every review i read everybody liked ezra miller's flash like it seemed like it was a home run and a movie devoid of home runs 
And uh, I think like that's the way to fix it. You just, and I know that's a popular take at this point, but it fucking makes sense. Like you do your Flashpoint movie and hopefully you do it well. And then at the end of it, the universe has changed and it's changed into whatever tone you want to go forward with. Now, there's a lot of talk that they're going to basically undo the shared universe thing and just start doing standalone movies. And I know that that's probably the smarter way for DCEU, but I'm like, don't be a fucking loser and give up. Like, no, seriously. Like, Look, there, I have There's, a, there's a lot of good stuff there that they can salvage. And, you know, the, the thing about Flashpoint is you don't have to undo anything everything no you just fix it lighter tone lighter tone new actors where you need them like if ben affleck wants quick good opportunity for him to walk out you have somebody different playing batman you don't explain it it's just like there's a rift things are different you know but i like the shared universe i don't want them to do away with the shared universe this is something I'm like bucking against the recent trend is like people are like DC should just like start doing standalone movies. No, fuck that. Figure you know, out I've, this like shared universe thing. Figure it out because like DC has a great universe to like share around. And they figured it out with the TV shows. So fucking yeah, figure and it I out. I think like and the more they do it, I think they're getting better at it cuz like Justice League was getting getting better i don't think it was a bad movie no i don't i don't i this is something i was just talking about this earlier today um man of steel i was excited when i saw it saw it again not as excited um the more i think about it the more it kind of like irritates me batman v superman not a good movie and a lot of that has to do with casting i thought henry cavill and ben affleck were great like lois lane's great um, it's like your villain is fucking terrible. The villain, you need, yeah, is you need a great villain, and they did not deliver on that. And there was just all sorts of problems. Zack Snyder clearly didn't understand who Batman was. Um, having him with guns blazing in <laughs> parts of the movie, killing people left and right, it's just not. It's not really Batman. Um, Wonder Woman was fucking spectacular. Like, yeah. Justice League was not good, but it was entertaining. It was just like Jared Leno was fucking piss poor. So maybe Flashpoint, you could undo Jared Leno. (laughs) Oh, you mean Suicide Squad? Or what'd I say? You said Justice League. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Suicide Squad, yeah. Like, uh, Jared Leto's fucking terrible in that. But, like, it was an entertaining movie. It wasn't good by any means, but it was entertaining. Uh, Justice League, I enjoyed it, you know? It's not like... I wouldn't put it above four-fifths of Marvel movies. But that's not insulting them. I just think Marvel has really figured it out. And they know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying don't scrap everything. Like, you have good elements there. You just have to figure out how to mix them in the soup together. Because it works in the comics. It works in the cartoons. It works in the TV shows. You just haven't fucking figured out the movies yet. So figure that shit out. Don't just scrap it. But um, we should talk about where DC is, in my opinion, absolutely succeeding so far. Black Lightning. We just watched this. Oh, fuck. Right before we recorded, we sat down and watched this. 
just so that we could talk about it with you guys. Like we're going later at night just so that we could like review this show. And damn, it was worth it. It was so worth it. It's fucking good. Like it's like it took a lot of the elements that I liked about Luke Cage and not as much the music, but like I do like the music Actually, that's I around it. Actually, I kind of like the music because it, it was because they kind of had a lot of uh, jazz and like slow jazz to it. Oh, in this in Black Lightning. Oh, yeah. I thought it was more like hip hop. I don't know. They I guess did, just the hip hop stuff. Well, they stuck had out the the hip hop stuff in like the club, but it was kind of because they kind of set the tone where they had like the hip hop stuff was at the club. With the Club 100, which kind of was set up as, like, part of the bad guys organization. Yeah, the 100, the I hundred. think they're called. Uh, we should just say right now, too, um, if you're super worried about spoilers, I guess turn it off. But, dude, it's a pilot of a TV show. So, I don't know. I always operate under, like, spoil away on pilots. You know what I mean? Like, you're basically talking about the setup yeah. of the show. This shit's all good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look good. Like, I can't describe the fight scenes to you to make you understand that it doesn't matter if i describe them to you they're fucking badass they're all like every fight scene in this is fucking better than any cw show i've seen no cgi really with the fight scenes like maybe a little bit of lightning but it all works yeah um it just fucking it like i i like that they set up in the middle of this guy's superhero career essentially he had years as a superhero he hang up the the cape and cowl for like well he doesn't really have a cape or a cowl but you know what I mean <laughs> for like nine years and hung then, up the suit for nine years yeah and he gets sucked right back into it and they just launch back into it immediately they let you know in the first scene of the show that like this dude is fucking black lightning they let you know the world like. The fucking, it's not that different from the world we live in, in a way. Like, the cops are fucking with every black person that they come across, just, like, racially profiling everybody. You have gang violence going around that's, like, taking over the community. And uh, he's running a school that's basically trying to set itself apart from it. And he's yeah, trying and he's to save trying people to, like, set as up a, a school that's not falling into the inner city dilemma where they, i mean they have um metal detectors when you walk into school and like everything's set up more like a i mean he even says it like a prison instead of a school yeah and they establish right away he's got one daughter who's got powers clearly um, i'm gonna guess by that molten red ham but i was already guessing that based off of the twice she like kicked people's asses <laughs> Because twice she just totally like hurls people around, yeah, like they're rag dolls. And uh, I fucking I love the way that they're setting up this show. Like he's got he's got a wife that like they're estranged. I'm, I I think they're divorced um, because he came back super beat up. The the short haired. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's clearly with her. dating somebody or married to somebody else. So they they set but up it your classic CW triangle right there. <laughs> but it doesn't sound like he's happily married with his current wife. If he's, is he married or is he just dating her? I don't. Yeah. Know. So he might be dating her just because it's CW. But um, 
Yeah, like he clearly wants to be back with his wife who left him because he was a superhero and he gave it up. But he had apparently given it up before and then she told him to quit and he couldn't quit or whatever. You have the guy from Dexter who's like Dexter's dad who's like ghost dad for a couple of seasons. Yeah, Harry Morgan. What's what's that guy's name? Did did you pull out the actor's name? No, I didn't. It doesn't matter. Look up Dexter's dad on IMDb. You guys can do the work for a change. But uh, (laughs) he's fucking basically the one pushing Black Lightning to be more. And pretty much the only like mainstay white character, I think. Like it's pretty much a black show, which I like. I like that it's a fucking black show. Um I I just love the world. I love everything about this. I, the yeah, suit I was, on commercials, the way it glowed, I thought looked kind of corny on commercials. When I actually watch it in the show, I'm like, no, this fucking works. No, they used it well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. They they overpronounced it a little bit in the trailers, but like it fucking works. His powers look fucking cool. The the actor that they got fucking looks like a superhero man. You know, like he is the so actor fucking big in the pilot was really, really good. You know, he you know he reminds? did a really good job of not only like being able to like kick ass in a suit, but portray a really strong principle. Principle, like just yeah. a normal, like a really strong good character yeah the the comparison i was about to make for it is uh harrison ford is indiana jones in a way because he's able to pull off both sides like that's the tricky thing about if they ever recast indiana jones is you have to find somebody who you can believe is a professor but then who can also be like an action star and this dude pulls them both off and he's fucking he's big and he's cut but he handles himself so well uh, just fucking elegant the way that he like has you know mundane conversations with people like they fucking this this show you know he based can, off of the pilot i think this show is a home run i think he did a really good job because they had two scenes one where like he's talking to like a guy who's basically pimping out his kids as drug dealers and he's talking to him elegantly and strongful as it's strongful pr- we've uh, had some beers <laughs> yeah but you know just forceful and as a principal and he basically could do the same in a superhero suit so i thought he did a really good job of you know acting in and out of the super suit yeah this is i haven't felt this good about a superhero pilot since the flash like, I remember seeing The Flash being like, this is going to be a fucking great show. And, like, Gotham, I remember really liking that pilot, too. But, like, The Flash, I just, like, knew immediately this is going to be a great show. And, like, based off of this, I really think they sowed all the seeds that they need to sow. Um, they don't do it in a shitty way where you're watching it and you're like, fucking come on to certain characters. You know what I mean? Like, every character falls away that they're presented as they should and and they don't have stupid conflicts that don't need to be there right like with his ex-wife like when he goes to like put on the black lightning costume she ain't stopping him at that point like that makes fucking sense it's their kids yeah like yeah i mean it, it they makes didn't sense create conflict that didn't need to be there so i i'm fucking i'm really hopeful for this show i think this show is gonna be fucking badass 
I think it definitely has the potential to be the best CW show, but we'll see. You know, they did a really good job. I mean, that character you kind of glanced over when he was talking with her because she was really upset because she was the one that was basically pushing him out of being Black Lightning. Yeah. And or and uh, there might be, I'm sure there was other factors going on, but like, you know, they showed a quick, quick cut where um, he was flashing back to his daughter, like walking in while like he just He's got just his ass handed, bleeding. bleeding in a bathtub. Yeah, yeah, like so. I mean, she understands what he was going through to protect him, but she also understood that as Black Lightning. He can kick ass and get his get her girls home. Yeah. Um, moving on. But by the way, about fucking time for Black Lightning. I've been waiting for the show for a while. It fucking delivered. It's nice to have like another strong black superhero show. Like Luke Cage was the other one. Um, now we move on to Black Widow. Looks like she's getting a standalone movie for real this time. They've like talked about it a little bit, but like. And you can go back to 2011 when we started this podcast. Good Lord. <laughs> and I did a while ago. Like, go, I occasionally go back to podcasts. Um, it's just like a thing that I do to see, like, what I've improved on. Like, what things did I hit on then? Like, should I revisit certain things? Like, I do this at random intervals. I just go to, like, old shows and, and go back and listen just to try and be a better podcaster, you know? But uh, we were talking about this shit in 2011. Like, make us a fucking Black Widow movie, please. Back before the original Avengers. Yeah. About fucking time mm. that they're making a Black Widow movie. Probably. It's not for sure yet. Maybe. But it sounds, <laughs> here's why it sounds like it. Um, it's being written by Jack Schaefer. Uh, or Jacques Schaefer. It's a woman um, who... She did a movie that I've not seen. But it's basically... About a baby shower, and the backdrop is an alien invasion <laughs> happening. <laughs> and apparently, it's really funny and really good. But uh, based off the strength of that, like Kevin Feige is having a write a script for Black Widow, but they're like having a script written, which has never happened before. And every time they talked about a Black Widow movie before, they're basically like, "We're not ruling it out. We'll see. Maybe." Like, kind of those... Now they're saying, like, we're having somebody write it. When Kevin Feige says we're having somebody write it, something happens out of it. And the only time I can think of where a movie wasn't made out of that was The Inhumans. And they made a show out of it. And obviously, didn't work out so well. Because <laughs> it's not getting renewed. And it was fucking horrible. <laughs> but, like, that was... That was the only thing. Like, it sounds like this is going to get made. So, it's about fucking time, dude. Like, everybody wanted to see Black Widow in a standalone movie. I don't know why it took so long, but I'm grateful that it's coming down the pike. So, Yeah, and I think... I think from the glimpses we've seen of her character, I think there's enough there to write a movie. She's got a mysterious past, and we still don't know much about the mysterious past. Like, they uncovered, like, some stuff in uh, the movie Agent, or the show Agent Carter. They talked about the Black Widow program, so they gave an idea of, like, the kind of stuff she went through, and then they re-hinted at it in the Avengers 2. But we don't know what she went through. 
right? So you have a whole backstory that's fucking open. We don't know what she did after the Black Widow program to like where we see her in Iron Man 2. And even if you don't cover any of that at all, it doesn't fucking matter because she's a fucking awesome superhero. You know, and like people want to watch it. Like she's fucking great. Like Scarlett Johansson managed based off of people wanting a Black Widow movie so bad, I believe. They took that Luke Besson movie, Lucy, and fucking pushed it past a hundred million dollars. Like that movie had no business making that kind of business, <laughs> but it did, and it was based off of the strength of like Scarlett Johansson fucking like kicking ass with some martial arts, you know, on the trailers. So we've been asking for this for a long time. Thank you for finally delivering. It's about fucking time. But I don't know. You, you have anything to add to that? You know, I think her. I mean. Every time she shows up in any of the MCU, she's captivating. She and she goes in and out of main characters. So I mean, she could have her own side quest. Yeah, and it would be riveting. Yeah, I agree. And it'll apparently be in Phase Four if it happens, or after Phase Four. So we know she probably lives through Infinity Wars. Or it's something that takes place beforehand, which isn't out of the question because, you know, the first Captain America movie took place during World War II. Captain Marvel takes place during the 90s. So, who knows? (laughs) But most likely she's going to live through it, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Anyway. uh, So, this this is the last little item I have here. So... And I apologize if I'm butchering the name here, but Sarah Benacasa, she's basically a writer for the Jim Gaffigan show and like a couple features and uh, shorts. But she said, I'm offering $300 to the journalist who seriously asked Trump his opinion on our nation's relations with Wakanda and gets the question and answer recorded live on video. I know $300 doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but I also know where reporters make, so $300. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's such a great, like, one-two punch. Just like, A, Trump's a fucking idiot. You know he's going to bite the bait and go off on some racist shit about something that is fictional and he doesn't know anything about. And B, yeah, reporters totally underpaid. (laughs) (laughs) I please somebody do this please do you think this happens I have a feeling this isn't going to happen but I don't think it's going to oh happen my God. could you imagine it if would it be happens so great. he's going to fall for it if it happens right could you see some I could see some like vice reporter maybe because <laughs> <laughs> they're the demographic that would do something like that right yeah no, I think you kind of nailed it right there. They actually, they probably have the credentials to talk to him at this point. Yeah. But like, they totally. And yeah, they could get some young guy to just, yeah. Some stoner looking dude with dreadlocks who's just like uh, holding up a microphone. He's just like, so, uh, understand there's some tensions with Wakanda. Do you want to comment on it right now? And Trump would just fucking go off about it. And not where's Wakanda? 
Oh, Africa. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't even ask because he's not curious. Or he would just the border assume. of Niger. <laughs> he would not pronounce that Niger. We are talking about the president of the United States. Yeah. Our current president of the United States does he had not a real pronounce hard, it Niger. Because there was a situation that happened a few months ago. Was there really? Yeah. I just assumed. In Niger. And he butchered it bad. Look, I'm going to be honest. I'm drinking 12-gauge, which is uh, 1.6 fluid ounces. What is the percentage on this thing? Because I'm pretty fucking drunk, and I'm almost through this. But uh... Oh, 10% alcohol content. So. Oof. Yeah, so when I was saying that I assumed he didn't pronounce Niger right, you know, that's that might be the beer talking, but it's also because our president's a fucking racist moron. <laughs> I'm sorry. He is. I just got to... And, and wine, there's truth. And also, 12-gauge beer, <laughs> there's truth. <laughs> I guess this is technically barley wine at this point, right? Getting close. Dude, can I just, like, pull back the curtain really quick? This shit had this, like, waxed thing over it, and it took me and Brandon... Almost like... I mean, even more, like, kind of like the Maker's Mark yeah. seal. Yeah, if you've seen a Maker's Mark, it's like the, the melted wax over the top of it. But the Maker's Mark is done so that if you cut it around, like, the opening, you can just pull it off really easy. Yeah. This shit was not easy. Me and Brandon both had different knives to it, and, like, it took both of us about two to three minutes to, like, get it to where I could open it. And then I had to peel more shit off so that I wasn't like having wax in my mouth when I drank it. But fucking delightful. <laughs> it's a Mexican chocolate imperial stout brewed with cocoa nibs, chili, and cinnamon. I don't know. I didn't get any of that when I tasted that. Yeah, try it again. You want to try some more here? Try like a live tasting. I know sometimes if you think of the taste when you go to taste it, you can notice it, and that might just be like, I don't know, that might be in your head, but I don't really notice the cinnamon, but I notice the rest of it. What? All what's right. The verdict. So, and I did get that kind. I did get the chocolate when I. Uh, because it does kind of have that horchata mm-hmm. taste to it. And I did get that on my second pull of that. Okay. And I'm getting a little uh, spice on my tongue, so that's probably the cinnamon. The chili, maybe? Chili or cinnamon? Cinnamon? More so the cinnamon, because it's kind of like... Cinnamon has kind of like a numbing agent to it. <laughs> you could tell we're drunk, because we're an hour and five minutes in, and we're talking... More intently about the beer than our president of the United States. I care more about beer than I do the president of the United States. I care nothing about our president. (laughs) Except for the fact that he's fucking us over. (sighs) This show has gone off the rails. Let's talk about Hawaii. I did want to talk about Hawaii. (laughs) Let's talk about it. So, uh, God, I feel so fucking bad for those people. So, those that don't know... I mean, you should check your news feed once in a while because 
I didn't know until somebody told me like two days ago. Oh, because well, eight because I, I had seen no news for like three days. So so eight o'clock ish, like eight oh seven or something a.m. Saturday morning, there was an emergency alert that went out to everybody in Hawaii's cell phone that there is an incoming missile or ballistic missile inbound. Seek shelter. This is not a drill. And people fucking freaked. Gee, really? That a <laughs> nuclear missile was coming to their island? People freaked out? I would fucking wow. freak out. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I can't I like I can't even really put myself in a place like if I saw that on my phone as an official government alert. I know exactly what I would do. Like being in Montana and stuff, if I saw that missiles were coming, are you ready? I'd just try and like make peace with all my family and like have a good time and I wouldn't go to run anywhere or like hide under anything because I just figure if a missile's coming you're fucked. Like you know what I mean? Like you can hide in your shelter or whatever, but I feel like all of that stuff's bullshit. Um I always thought bomb shelters were kind of bullshit. I don't see it really like protecting you from radiation and stuff. I just feel like if that shit's happening you're fucked. So it's like try and like make peace before you die. That's what I would be doing. However, not everybody is me. <laughs> I yeah. heard there's people like hiding in sewers and like all kinds of shit. Yeah, I, I haven't heard any of that, but I I know people are just like freaked out trying to like Google where the local freaking uh, fall a f- local fallout shelter would be. I guess that makes sense if you believe in them. <laughs> I don't. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, just trying to like, what the fuck do you do? Yeah, and I, I mean, don't know. people were, and I, I read one person's. I, and I don't, I don't mean to feed. be flippant about it. By the way, like I think that that's fucking frightening, and like awful, and it's awful that that shit happened. So I don't mean to make it like I'm making fun of it. I just genuinely don't believe that, like, the, any fallout shelter that anybody has actually works. Like, I think people think that they work and it makes them feel more confident, but I think it's one of those things that's, like, been built up so that people feel okay about it, even though, like, it doesn't fucking help. That's that's my opinion. I don't know. So, in Helena, I, I know of three civil defense shelters. Okay. We do have a military base around here, so... Well, outside of the military base. Okay. Uh, One is... uh, There's a building just north of the cathedral. It's the St. Helena Cathedral. Like, it's got other offices for different stuff. And there's, like, a, a tiny, tiny little basketball gym down in the basement. Wow. That's the one I want to go to. It's got basketball. That one, <laughs> and the only reason I know that one is a civil defense f- shelter is because I say I saw the sign, and back when I was a young young teenager in Boy Scouts, our Boy Scouts met down there, so I know that there's that is a civil defense shelter. The CTI training building downtown kind of by the paint and pot has a seat is listed as a civil defense shelter. Okay. And then the third one I found out today, cause I just Googled it off the off chance is 
There's a building just south of, right next to, uh, between Jester's and the B&B market. Oh, yeah? The livery. Yeah, the livery, the, the old stables. Yeah, that's listed as a civil defense shelter. Well, that's where I'm fucking going, because I know right where it's at. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> a- like, I've, like. I've never been in that building, but I've seen pictures of inside. I'm like, Ey. yeah, I've never been inside. That's let's, like in a nuclear blast. That shit's falling down. Let's ask uh, Google. What? <laughs> I I did okay. ask let's, Google, and you it. Not but let's let's helpful. get it on the microphone. Um, so this is the last thing we'll do, and then we'll cut out. But like, let's find fallout shelters in Helena, Montana, because I think this is relevant. Everybody, do your own city right now, okay? Fallout Shelters, Helena, Montana. Okay. Um, I didn't read it off. I'm disappointed. Yeah, there's a lot of writing here. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> like I tried that today. Like, and it, like, and I'm was really kind of like surprised at the lack of information out there let's try this one more time okay okay google tell me where the fallout shelters are in helena montana google you're fucking up you know what pisses me off about this is google will tell you about all kinds of dumb things like listen this okay google how many kids does kim kardashian have Kardashian's children are St. West and Northwest. See, I don't need to know that. Google won't tell me where the fallout shelters are, but it'll tell me how many Kardashian kids there are. Fuck that shit. Fuck you, Google. Uh, is this a good place to cut off? That sounds as good as any. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Take it easy. with wrestlers green lanterns light asl adventures in a dimensional exchange association is this yours no your i mother said she found them on your phone i don't know okay, i must, must have, have what look dad they're not mine alien movie project we had a good life montucky skies real roulette where'd you get it dad answer me who taught you how to listen to this stuff you all right i learned it by watching you Parents that use podcasts have children that use podcasts. Brought to you by the partnership of the Not Safer Network.